Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Good morning, Hope Church. How are you today? Awesome. He's alive. He's alive. I hope you are too. And everyone who's watching online, um, we are so glad that you're here today and that you're alive. And so uh, today we're going to jump into our next step in our Essentials series. Jill, these, uh, this, these bumper videos, it's like a work of art. Our, our team like handcrafted that whole, each one of those things. Isn't that amazing? We have an amazing creative team here. Oh, I love these guys. Hey, so last Sunday, I wasn't here, and, um, and everybody's like, hallelujah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I wasn't here, and um, I, I was in the air, and I was heading uh, over across the country to Washington, D.C. I had some ministry meetings in D.C. all week, and I had to leave on Sunday in order to get there. And so I um, had a wonderful time uh, with leaders all across the world. It was it was a fantastic time of just seeing what God is doing around the world and connecting with other leaders. And I got a chance to walk around the city. How many of you have been to Washington, D.C.? Not me. Not you. All right, all right. But many of you have been to D.C. Okay, cool. So, so... Okay, all right, man. We'll see what we can do. Um, so I walked around D.C., and I've been there before. I've been there before, but it's been, a, a, you know, a decade or two, and so I, I had a chance to walk around the city. I took this picture right here. Um, this is a picture on the first day I had before my meetings. I was just walking around D.C., and I took this picture right here, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do my best. There we go. There we go. <laughs> So I took this picture right here. Look at this picture. So this is the White House. I just want to let you know it's still there. It's still there. It's still white. And, um, and it's still beautiful. It's a beautiful day, as you can see. And I, I got a chance to walk around the city. And I was looking at all the things that D.C. Uh, has to offer. And it is a pretty amazing thing to be like, like so close to the center of politics and even uh, financial, like economic power, like, like there's like everything that happens within the walls of these places that you can just sort of walk right up to is all like right there. And it's pretty substantial. Like it's, it's no matter where you are in the political spectrum, it's, 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 it's pretty impressive. And, but I wasn't there to sightsee. I was there to meet with some people. And so I went into these meetings and um, I knew some of the people who were there. But most of the people I did not know. This was a new group for me, a new experience. And I walked into these meetings not knowing most of the people there. And so you do what you do when you get into a new situation, right? Um, I, I immediately began to sort of find out where my place was, right? Like, how do I fit in with this group of people? Uh, talking to people, meeting people, trying to understand who I needed to talk to. And, um, you know, I'm just sort of navigating that whole social situation, right? Like, where do I fit in? And by the end of the week, it was, it was an amazing time. God opened up some amazing connections 
doors of conversation and all that. But how many of you know what it's like to be in a situation where you're just trying to figure out where you fit in? Right? All the time. Somebody is like, every day of my life, um, you're trying to figure out where you fit in. It might be a new job. Maybe you've walked into a new job. Or maybe, have you ever been on a job for like a while and then you get a new boss? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow, you have to like try to prove yourself like all over again. You're, you know, you're trying to convince them of how awesome you are. Everybody already knows that. But they don't, so you're trying to convince them of that. Maybe it's a, a new school year. Um, maybe, maybe it's a situation uh, where you're in a social situation like work or, or out and about, and you're just trying to figure out where it is. I think we can all relate to trying to fit in. Like, not, not in, a, in, a, in a peer pressure kind of, like, I'm going to compromise who I am to, like, I'm going to become somebody else so I can fit in, but just fitting in, right? If you've ever walked in the doors of a church, that's, that's all of you, right, for the first time, do you remember? Some of you might be here for the first time today. And here at Hope Church, we like to say that we don't want you to just feel at home. We want you to find a home. Like, we, we legitimately want this to be a community that you can belong to, right? That you can walk in and not feel for too long like I'm an outsider. Like, I don't belong here. I'm not sure how I fit in here. Well, as we explore today's truth from God, as we open up the Bible and explore this Sunday in our essential series, we're going to be looking at how we fit into the story of God. So if you haven't been a part of our essential series until today, let me bring you up to speed. So we're taking a few weeks, a month uh, roughly, to talk about what is essential to us here at Hope Church. When it comes to our beliefs about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, about church, about ourselves, what are the essentials? We have people from all across the spectrum in lots of different areas but we all come together under the same tent with some common tent poles, some things that hold up our tent that we call Hope Church here. And so in week number one, for example, we talked about how the Bible is the inspired word of God. That's, that's an essential for us. Most of what we know about God comes from the Bible. And if the Bible is not the inspired word of God, then everything in it is untrustworthy. And we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Then I had, if you were here this, that Sunday, you might remember this, I had the amazing privilege to tackle uh, a very tough topic here uh, that we believe that God is one, but exists uniquely in three different persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. Right? And then last Sunday, Chris did a great job of reminding us that Jesus was fully God, and fully man. These are essentials. Today we're going to talk about where we fit into the picture. So as you engage the story of God, as you walk into a group setting and you're trying to figure out where you are, we want to do the same thing when it comes to how we relate to God. And so today we're going to talk about our identity a bit. And here's the truth that we're going to explore we're going to explore the fact that we are made in the image of God. That's sort of one side of the coin. 
We're made in the image of God. The other side of the coin, though, is that we fall short of God's perfect standards. It's sort of a dual thing we have going on here as human beings. We're made in God's image, but at the same time, we fall short of his perfect standard. And so we're going to talk about what this looks like. So Mark Twain, how many of you, anybody here a Mark Twain fan? He said, Mark Twain said this, he said, the two most important days in your life, the day that you were born and the day that you figure out why you were born. It's your identity, right? It's, it's who you are. Why? These are, these are the things we're going to tackle here today. Why am I here, right? And, and what am I here for? These are things that God wants us to know. He wants you to understand how you fit into his story. And let me just make this clear, because we're going to be talking about you. We're going to be talking about me today. These are, these are things we're going to be looking at. But let's be clear about this. This is God's story that we fit into. Okay? This is not our story that we fit God into. So can I just say this right from the front, right from the start? Um, I, I hope we have enough of a relationship to where I can say this with love and you, you know that I love you, right? Do, do you know that? And some of you are like, Tim, I just met you. I don't know that you love me. Um, you are not the center of the story. You're not. You're not the center of the story. Okay? You're not the center of the story. It's God's story. It's his story. It's not our story. And so we find our place in God's story. So, for example, when you open up the Bible, your first thing you should be looking for is God. You should be looking for Jesus wherever you are in the Bible. So when you open up the story of David and Goliath, you are not David picking up your slingshot, slaying the giants. That's not you. You're looking at the story like you're the center of the story. That's not how the Bible reads. Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the one who ultimately picked up his slingshot and killed the enemy. If you want to find, okay, so this, this is not even in my notes. Today, this isn't in like what I plan to share, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there anyway. If you want to find you in that story, go look for the Israelites cowering in the corner, unable to do anything for themselves. That's you. Jesus picks up the slingshot, slays the giant, and you know what? We get to now rush at the enemy because Jesus has won the battle. He's done the thing, and we get to come in behind him and live and walk in that victory, right? So um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why we went down that road, but we did. We did. So today, we're going to place ourselves where we belong. We're going to find our place in God's story because although it is his story, and although he is at the center of it, and we're joining his story, he does have a place for us, a very special, very unique place for us. And we want to explore that here today. So we're going to jump 
right to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start right at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, and these words are going to be up on the screen. Um, And here is the truth that we're going to be exploring. Knowing your part in God's story is the foundation of living out your part in God's story. So you have to know your part first, and then you're given the opportunity to live that out. We have to know it, and then we live it. This is where we're going today. Genesis chapter 1, let's start right in the very beginning. We don't have to go far in the Bible in order to find our place and begin to see how God created us. Genesis 1, up on the screen, it'll show you verse 26. God said, now this is creation. This is the creation account, if you're not familiar with the Bible. Genesis is the beginning of the Bible, and it's the creation account. God has gone through the process now over a series of days of creating the universe. He's now at the end of that process. In verse 26, we pick it up. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may uh, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along on the ground. Again, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. He repeats it. The author repeats it. In the same sentence, just so that you don't lose this. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea. And all the fishermen said, amen. And the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This was God's capstone to creation. This was the grand finale. If the creation process was a fireworks show, what we just read was the grand finale. God saved, in his opinion, the best for last. There was one thing in all of creation that was created in his image to reflect his likeness. There was only one thing in all of creation, and that was humanity, that God gave the breath of life to meaning that he gave you the ability to reason and to have a free will. You're the only thing in all of creation, no matter how smart we program computers to be um, and how many movies you've seen where they gain a conscience and take over humanity, God only gave humans the ability to reason and to have a free will, which means that we have the ability to love. God gave us this because he created us in his image. It's amazing. It's amazing. I don't know. Sometimes I think if you've been around the church for a while, I think sometimes we lose the wonder of what we read about in here. The awe and the wonder. This morning, every morning before we get started here, about 830 in the morning, you're welcome to join us any Sunday that you want to. Uh, everybody who gets here early circles up out on the patio and we pray together. And today we talked about how there are things we're talking about in this essential series that are true. And yes, it's true, but it's also very, very good. 
It's very, very good. In fact, at the end of creation, so after each day of creation, God looked at what he had done and he said, that's good. He's giving himself a pat on the back, you know? He's like, that's good. After he created humanity in his image, he said, it's very good. Creation was complete after he created us in his image and said, it's very good. This is the God who created you and I. We're created in his image. His design, in fact, was that we would reflect his image to the world around us. So everything about you, God uniquely gave you so that you can uniquely reflect it to the world around you. Each and every one of you, from the color of your hair, right, to your height, to the way that you speak, the way that you think, the way that you go about doing things, the skills and abilities and talents that God gave you, all of those things are a reflection of the image of God in you. All of it. Even the things you don't like about yourself. It's all part of the image of God that is built into you. Now, in the Latin, there's a term for this. And we're going to learn a little Latin here today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because if I, if I include a little bit of Latin in a message, it automatically puts me up like a higher pay scale. And, a little, you know, like, like I, you know, it's, I'm going to teach you some Latin. So the phrase in Latin for this is imago Dei. Let's look up here on the screen. Imago Dei. You want to say, say it with me? Imago Dei. And it's the image, imago, of the divine day, Imago Dei. It's the Imago Dei in us. There are actually churches um, who, this is the name of their church, Imago Dei, the image of God, that the image of God is in us as human beings. Now, this is the image of God. You, you are not God. It's the image of God. God created you to reflect his image. He is the source. We are not God, but we can reflect the very image of God. This is the Imago Dei. And so as we live our lives, we are reminded that there are so many things that are true of us because of the Imago Dei, because the image of God is in us. Now, we could talk forever and ever and ever about all the ways. Let me just name a few. Because God made you in his image, you are priceless. You're priceless. There's, there, there's, there's nothing of greater value than you. You're priceless. Because you're made in God's image, you are a son or daughter of God. That's who you are. This is your identity. This is helping us now find our place in God's story. Because you're created in God's image, you are deeply, profoundly loved. This is who you are. Deeply loved. If you're sitting here today and maybe you wandered in by yourself, maybe you're just like, hey, I'm going to go hang out over there. Maybe I'll make a friend. You feel alone. You are deeply, profoundly loved. 
Because you're created in God's image, you, you are uniquely created, which means that you're special. Because you are created in God's image, you are given a purpose. You're not just here. It's not just random. You have a purpose in this life. God has created you with a purpose. Why? Because you're created in the image of God, and God has a purpose. So why wouldn't you? Look at this verse of Zephaniah 3. Let me, give you a, let me give you a little scripture on this. Zephaniah 3.17 says this. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. The God of the universe delights over you with singing. When was the last time that you were moved with joy that you started singing? Some of you are like, yeah, you don't want to hear me sing. That's not, like, that's not a joyful noise. Like, I, that's not how I'm. But how many of you, let's just say a song in your heart. Like, like, like how many of you have been so moved by something, so thrilled with something, so overcome by something that there was just a joy in your heart for that thing or that situation? Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was something you really wanted and you got. Maybe, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Jesus, God, sings over you. I think for a lot of us, there's so much baggage in our lives at times that we find it hard to believe. Like, you may not even be able to comprehend the words that I've just said. Maybe you've been so hurt and so pushed down over the years you don't even comprehend the words that I'm saying, that somebody loves you so much they will sing over you. That's how much the God of the universe loves you. And we could kind of stop here in this moment, and we could just kind of rest here for, for a while. But the God of the universe sings over me. That's a powerful, powerful thing. C.S. Lewis says this, There are no ordinary people. You have never met a mere mortal. Because not only is all of that true about you because of the image of God, but it's true about everybody else. So like that coworker, that neighbor, that family member that you don't get along with, God sings over them. That person on social media who you're arguing about politics or religion or this or that with, they're created in the image of God. So can I go down, can I go down this road with you here for just a second? You know who's created in the image of God? Joe Biden. You know who else is created in the image of God? 
Donald Trump. I'm created in the image of God, and so is every single human being on this planet. When all is said and done, and time ceases to exist, all that's going to be left is God, his word, and the souls of people. America one day will no longer be. There will come a day where we will all be a part of the kingdom of heaven, and all of those things are going to drop by the wayside. And we will stand before God, and you might be surprised who's there and who's not there. We all have the image of God in us. Now, if only that were the end of the story. If only that were the end of the story, that would be amazing. And I would love that, and my job would be easy. And I would pray, and we would all go out with the feel-goods. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But the flip side of the, of the coin of our identity is that the story doesn't end there. In fact, let's go back to Genesis, and let's read in Genesis 3. Now, the serpent... This is the devil. This is our enemy. This is Satan. This is the one who opposes us, who in the creation account took on the form of a serpent. And all of you snake haters are like, amen. I knew it. Now the serpent was more crafty than all of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, didn't God say, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Lots of untruths in in all of that conversation. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat it, eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God. She was already created in the image of God. But he said, you'll be like God. He tempted her with this knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it, she ate it, she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. At this point in the story of humanity, in God's story, Humanity chooses its own way. It it, it decides that it wants to be at the same level of God, just like our enemy wants to be at the same level of God. And so it chooses in this moment to go its own way. It rejects God. Now, the Bible uses lots of words to describe this, words that we don't use today at all. They're foreign to us. Words like transgression right? Words like iniquity. And of course, the granddaddy of them all, sin. Sin. We don't use this word sin today. It's not common. Um, It has a very negative connotation, right? 
Today, it's a very religious term, this word sin. But in the days of the Bible uh, being written, it wasn't negative. I mean, it, it was negative, but it wasn't uh, religious. It wasn't a religious term. Uh, it's a Hebrew word, hata, which simply means missing the mark. It was used to, to describe uh, an archer, for example, that pulled back an arrow and shot an arrow and missed the target that they were trying to hit. It was a neutral word. It just meant you missed the target somehow. But this is what happened when humanity chose its own way apart from God. When they felt like they could do what God could do, they began to miss the mark. And from that moment on, every human being ever born was born with hata, missing the mark. Every human being. I don't have to even convince you of that. From, from, from the time that we're little babies, babies, little babies and, and little ones, they don't have to be taught how to be selfish. They don't have to be taught how to lie. They don't have to be taught how to, how to blame somebody else. If you ever had more than one child in the house, you know what I'm talking about. Something goes down, everybody's blaming everybody, everybody swears it was everybody else, and you're like, okay, it happened, somebody in this room did it, right? And everybody wants to blame everybody. The reason why we don't have to teach those things is because it's in our nature. And when you hear people say, oh, well, we're, you know, we're, I mean, we're good, we're you know, humanity is good. Like, it's, it's, you know, we're good people. No, no, we're not. We're not good. We're not good. We, we, we'll have our own way every time if we could. This is human nature. It's built into us. It's the hata. It's, 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 it's the thing that, that is innate in us because Adam and Eve sinned. And the scriptures tell, teach us that because one person sinned, all of humanity was born into it. It's hereditary. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about, about sin. Romans 6 says this, that the wages or the penalty of sin is death. Sin, sin here's the thing about sin. Sin is it doesn't just make you sick. Sin kills. It makes you dead, not sick. It makes you dead. This is what sin does. This is when you choose your way instead of God's way, this is what happens. The penalty of sin is death. And in fact, look at this uh, passage in Titus 3. It says this, at one time, we too were foolish, meaning we didn't know because we, didn't, we weren't born with that knowledge. Then we were disobedient. Then, you know, we went from like, like simply not knowing to actively disobeying. And then we were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice. So those were all things internal to us. Then that manifested itself to other people around us. We lived in malice and envy. We hated, we were being hated and hating one another. This is what sin does. And in the church, we don't talk a lot about sin. You don't hear uh, churches talk about sin these days because it's not something that we want to hear about. 
People don't want to be told that their very nature is not good. But this is essential to you finding your place in God's story. So, thankfully, God doesn't leave us here. In fact, in that very same passage in Titus, here's what it goes on to say. But, don't you love that? But. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared in Jesus, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, the Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Jesus didn't come to make sick people well, primarily. He came to make dead people alive. Because of your very nature and my very nature being sin, we were dead in that sin spiritually. But because of Jesus, we're now able to be alive. He raises us from the dead, spiritually speaking, like he was raised from the dead. Jesus is the one who does this. Jesus restores the Imago Dei in us. We all have the image of God in us as human beings, but because of the sin in us, because of that thing built into our very DNA, we don't have the ability to be in relationship with God like it was back before humanity chose its own way. But Jesus bridges that gap and allows that imago Dei, the image of the divine, to be fully restored in us when we place our faith in him. Check this out. In 2 Corinthians, it says this. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him, the hata, the sin on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.